We give you praise. We give you honor. And we give you glory. Help us make the devil mad today, Lord. Help me offend every devil spirit in this room tonight. Not just to offend them, but run them off. Thank you, Jesus. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody who's excited to receive something from the Lord tonight said amen. amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. We'll give Jesus a hand clap. Hallelujah. You're good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I always, I always like to exhort in the beginning, which exhort just means to encourage and build up. Because it's a lot easier to preach to encourage people than it is to preach to discourage people. Amen? But I'm thankful that I'm not in a room with a bunch of discouraged people. I thank, you, I thank God that I'm in a room full of people who understand and possess the blessings of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm so honored to be able to share with you guys this evening. First and foremost, I want to start off by honoring our pastor. Thank you, Pastor John, for what you do for this church. Thank you for being the perfect example of what a, sh a good shepherd is supposed to look like. And most importantly, thank you for saying the hard things when no one else will say them. You guys don't realize how awesome your pastor is, how powerful your pastor is. You know, a lot of people around here, I think we were the only church that didn't shut down. And he, and he made the decision that he wasn't going to shut down. He said, you know what, we're going to keep having services, and if they want to come in here and get me, they come in here and get me. Amen? God, I pray that boldness would get like that in these pastors in this town. But if not, I want to say something. I made this statement before, and I want to make it again to all of you that are watching. You know, we have this Omicron variant coming around. And like Pastor John says, if you think this is about a virus at this point, something is really wrong with you mentally. It's about control. It's about taking control away from the people. It's about taking our rights away. But thank God we have the Constitution and we're not ignorant of it. Amen? Hallelujah. And so I want to make this statement. For any church that's thinking about closing down because of this Omicron variant, but you marched in Black Lives Matter rallies, go ahead and shut down. We got it from here. If your church shut down in order to keep people safe, but you went and marched with thousands and thousands of people with your congregation, encourage your congregation to go. Go ahead and shut down. We'll take it from here. If your church struggles to put together a clear and concise statement that a child, unborn child's life matters, go ahead and close down. We'll take it from here. If your church has trouble saying that homosexuality is an abomination to God, then go ahead and shut down. We'll take it from here. God said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. But God needs bold pastors and bold Christians to stand up against this antichrist government spirit that's trying to shut the church down. Because the devil knows that once the church is gone, he can do whatever he wants. But here I am, and here our pastor is. We're not going anywhere until Jesus calls us home. Amen? But back to what I was saying before I made my statement, offending every church that probably watches this broadcast. I want to honor our pastor. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to speak. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm very honored. Um, 
I spoke a couple of weeks ago, if you were here, I spoke on sin, and I felt like it was a, it was a very informational, very revelational teaching for even the most mature Christian. There were some things that even I learned why I prepare my messages. You know, can I tell you something about us preachers when we prepare our messages? 99.9% of what we preach, we learned it the week before. That, I mean, I, that, that's, the, that's the case with me. It gets fresh in my spirit, and it gets caught up in my bones, and i got to let it out. Amen? And so today, the Lord's given me a, a, a sermon uh, or a teaching, I don't know what you want to call it, that I really believe is relevant to the modern church here in America because it seems like churches are forgetting how to be churches. Amen? We have churches that aren't churches anymore. We have nightclubs with Jesus' name on the side of the building. We have places that have traded the glory of God for some, for some weird antichrist, fake, I don't even know what to call it, thing that, that substitutes the real glory of God, which is why the church is so weak right now. And so I wanted to preach a message today called How to Have Church in the 21st Century. Praise God that we don't have to guess how to have church in the 21st century. We don't have to guess. We don't even have to pray about it. Right, Pastor John? Pastor John doesn't get on his knees every, every Saturday night and go, Lord, how should we have church tomorrow? Now, he may say, Lord, what do you want to do tomorrow? But he's not going to get on his, he doesn't have to get a game plan from the Lord as far as how the church is supposed to operate on Sunday mornings and when we gather. The Bible gives us a clear and concise statement on how the church should function. In fact, these, these instructions are so clear, a five-year-old could understand it. Emberly could get up here and take this microphone and, under, and read it to you and understand it. But I guess some churches in America, either they don't know it's in here or they, they just don't care. My guess is they don't care because most of the pastors of these bigger churches have double doctorates. They've been to seminary. They know the Bible back and forth, but yet they choose to throw the Bible out the window and try to think of the most clever way to have church so we can fill pews. How to have church in the 21st century. Tonight what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to give you guys some really cool things that the Lord showed me. And it, it, it's a shame that I even have to preach this, but I do have to preach it. How to have church in the 21st century. Pastors, if you're watching this, if you'll listen to me, I will save you tens of thousands of dollars on how to build your church seminars, how to build your church books, and how to build your church conferences. There, you, pastors do that. They put on these little conferences, how to grow your church in 2021. And, and, and when you go to these conferences, what you see is you have these men, they'll stand up there and they'll say, well, what you got to do is you got to get a clever sermon illustration, okay? That's step number one. And then after you do that, then you got to make sure that you pick the prettiest congregation members and put them by the doors. And then when, you, when you're having people try out for your worship team, if they're not pretty, don't let them on stage, right? What the church has done what they'll do is they'll do everything except for dig into Scripture and help people understand how church is actually supposed to look like. And so I want to just say this. If you're a pastor watching this, I hope you're offended, but I hope you're offended in a good way. And I hope you take this correction, and I pray, uh, I pray to God that it, it revelates with you because I'm so sick and tired. The church that I grew up in was a Holy Ghost-filled church. We had revivals once a month. Evangelists come in once a month. The Holy Ghost was there. People were getting filled with the Holy Ghost. People were, evangelists were coming and blind eyes were being opened. Signs and wonders were, were, were so prevalent in the church, it was ridiculous. But then something happened, and now all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's not welcomed in that church. 
And what they've done is they've traded the biblical prescription, the biblical formula of church that I said earlier is so clear and so concise that a five-year-old can understand it. They've traded that for something I don't even know what to call it. I, I'm just going to say you traded it for a bunch of bull crap. And it's powerless and it's weak and there's nothing about what you're doing that pleases God. Hear those words, and I say them with love. It burdens my spirit that we have people that are going to hell, that their souls are, are, are calling out to the Lord. The Bible says that no man can come to God except the Spirit draw him. People's spirits are being drawn to God, and they're walking into your church, and instead of giving, giving them what the Bible tells you to give them, you give them what your board of directors told you that you should give them because that's how we're going to get more money in the offering plate. Amen. Not interested in your money. You're not my source. No man is my source. In fact, I want you to say that out loud. No man is my source. Money is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. Do you want to know why? Because what will happen when you start loving money is every decision that you make will be, it will be huddled around. Well, am I going to make money? Am I going to lose money? Do you guys remember the Travis Scott concert that, that happened? Travis Scott had this giant concert and 50,000 people showed up. And from the beginning, it was a nightmare. From the beginning, there was a doubt. There was a state. It looked like some of these 21st century churches. There was a stage in the form of a devil. There was a whole bunch of stuff going on. If you know anything about Travis Scott, he encourages violence at his concert. And what happened was is Travis Scott put on this huge concert. And people started, you know, going nuts just like he told them to on his Instagram. I want to see a riot is what he said. This was not incidental that this happened. And so what happened is all these people started rioting and all these people started, you know, trampling over one another and people started to die. And at one point, if you saw, you saw a picture or a video of Travis Scott elevated above the crowd and somebody body uh, crowd surfing a dead body across the crowd and Travis Scott looking at it and continuing to sing. Do you want to know why he did that? Uh, you know, you could say the devil and that's true. But he did that because what was going through his head is, dang it, if I stop this concert, I'm going to have to refund 50,000 people. If you charge 200 and something dollars a ticket for 50,000 people, that's anywhere between four and $10 million. The reason Travis Scott didn't stop that concert was because he loved money. And he knew that if he stopped it, he would have to refund everybody. But can I tell you that the same decision-making skills that Travis Scott used, the church uses today. You know what? We should cut that Holy Spirit business out and speaking in tongues because, yeah, we know, it's, we know it's in the Bible, but, you know, it makes people uncomfortable. And when it, if it makes the wrong people uncomfortable, all of our big millionaire tithers, they'll leave. And, you know, so let's just, let's just you know, let's not do the speaking in tongues thing, right? That's the same exact thing that the church does. And it's, it's for several reasons, but I believe, number one, it's, the, it's because they love money. Not because they're ignorant. The church I told you about earlier, everybody on staff has at least a master's in theology. They know the word. They know the word, but they, choo they choose to, to negate what the word says so that, they can, so that they can get your tithe money. Anyway, we're going to move past. We're going to move past that. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for a church and a pastor that doesn't give a rat's hoot about money. Thank you, Lord, that we hold on to the blessing. And that no matter who, no matter if this sanctuary is empty or full, Psalms 1-3 said we'll be like a tree planted by a riverbank, prospering in everything that we do. Our leaves will never wither. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, God.
Thank you, God, that we have a pastor that doesn't make decisions depending on money. Thank you, Lord. So how to have church in, 20, in the 21st century. So number one, write this down. There are not several ways to have church. This is not Burger King. You can't have it your way. <laughs> it, you think about it, and it, you know, it sounds funny to say that, but you have to have this conversation with some grown men that are, pa- are pretending to be pastors, you know, because they say, well, you know what, I feel like, you know, I feel like we can speak in tongues today. No, actually, you know, let's not speak in tongues today. It's not Burger King. You can't have it your way. God gives us a clear and concise order of service that's so simple Oakland could probably even understand it. Amen? And you know, it's crazy because I, I, I used to go to a church and, man, it's like every week this is what the pastor would say. Man, being a pastor is so hard. You know, it's like I never know what God wants me to do in these services. I wish he would just walk into my office and just tell me. And I was like, well, now I see if you would just open up your Bible and read, he did tell you. God, I just don't understand what you want me to do. God is up there laughing at you because he put it in his word. And we're going to go over that today. God, help me. I don't know what to do during service. Read your Bible. Loser. Psalms 1-3. Okay, so let me say this, actually. If being a pastor is so hard, because I, I looked at a survey the other day. Pastor John, this is... It's crazy. You know that 60-something percent of pastors have the daily conversation with themselves whether or not they want to quit the ministry? I mean, it's sad. I'm not downplaying that. That is terrible. That's sad. But it's because they're either, one, they're scripturally ignorant, or they don't have the Holy Ghost to help them (laughs) know what they need to do in their church. Church isn't hard. Pastor John will probably get up here and tell you, now there are battles that come with being a pastor. There are battles that come with being an evangelist and all that good stuff. But Jesus tells you exactly how to have church in the Bible. Or Paul tells you how to have church in the Bible. Amen? Being a pastor, if you're having the conversation in your head every single day whether or not you should quit the ministry, it's not because maybe you were or you weren't called. It's because you're not doing church the way Jesus prescribed you to do church. And when you try to do things your way, when you try to do holy things in unholy ways, it doesn't work. Amen? God gives us specific prescriptions on how to do things, just like the Ark of the Covenant. I could read you an entire chapter in Exodus. This is how you're supposed to transport the Ark of the Covenant. You're supposed to take two, the word slates, you're supposed to take two slates and slide it through the little rings on the side and pick it up with the slates and move the Ark of the Covenant that way. He gave very specific instructions, and if anyone touches the box or the Ark, then that person will die, right? Jesus, God gave them specific instructions on how to transport the Ark of the Covenant. No one was supposed to touch it. But then we read later on in Numbers where uh, David is ordering the Ark to be moved, and uh, uh, there was a guy named Uzzah that was there helping them transport the ark, and they were it was uh, they were on an uh, they had an ox next to them, and the ox bumped something, and the ark of the covenant went to tilt, and Uzzah touched the ark to try to hold the ark up. What did God say? Don't touch the ark. You can do whatever you want beside it, around it, whatever. Don't touch the ark. And what Uzzah did, even out of a genuine heart to try to stop the ark from falling onto the ground. He touched the ark, and God killed him that very day. 
When God gives you a specific prescription on how to do things, you listen to him. The best thing that Uzzah could have done, which it's easy saying that because I read it, (laughs) but the best thing Uzzah could have done is, okay, if the ark's going to fall, it's going to fall, but I'm not touching it because God said don't touch his glory. God said don't touch the ark. And man, oh man, does that not remind you of some pastors in church today. 1 Corinthians 14, it gives us in 1 Corinthians 14, 26, I'm going to read it later, but it gives us an exact word-for-word formatting on how we're to have church. But what pastors will do is they'll start using that formula, they'll listen to what the Bible tells them to do, and then it seems like it's not working, so what they'll do is they'll try by their own strength to turn things around. They'll try by their own strength with their human mind to come up with ways to make church better, right? Well, I think, I think what we should do is we should add some fog lights and we should add a, you know, a McDonald's playground in the kids' center. I think if, you know, if we added a connect team that would really help everybody, you know, really connect with the spirit more, all this other stuff that's not in the Bible. Not saying that having a connect team is bad, but people are focused on the wrong things. Let me read this to you. In 1 Corinthians 14, 36 through 39 in the Amplified, it says this. Did the word of the Lord originate from you, or has it come to you only that you do what, be- what uh, do best what God requires? So what he's saying there, if anyone thinks and claims that he is a prophet or a spokesman of God or spiritually astute, let him recognize that the things which I wrote to you are the Lord's commandments. If anyone does not recognize this, then he is not recognized by God. So what he's saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 36, did the word of the Lord originate from you? Did you come up with this? Or is the word of the Lord being simply delivered to you and you are to steward what the word of the Lord says? This is what a lot of pastors will do. What they'll do is they know what the word of the Lord is. They know what the spirit tells or the scripture tells us to do. But what they'll do is they'll start using their mind and turn their spirit off. Amen. God did not give us minds to decide whether what God has given us is good or not. Right? God didn't give us our minds to to determine whether or not what God gave us is true and effective. God gave us minds to to facilitate what God has given us. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. Are y'all getting this tonight? I feel like I'm all over the place, but it's about to get good. Amen? God did not give us minds to decide what God, whether what God has given us is right or not, but God gave us minds to figure out how to properly steward what God has given us. And what modern-day pastors have done, I love the way Jonathan Shuttlesworth says it. He said, people have given their minds veto power over their spirits. And what you need to not do is let your sinful mind touch what's holy. Amen? What you, you can't come up with a better formula for church than God. You can't. That's the height of human arrogance, is thinking that you can do things better than God told you to do them. Amen? Romans 8, 6. Letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the, spiritual control, uh, letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So letting your sinful nature, letting your own self control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. That's why the Bible says, do not be conformed by the customs of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Who renews your mind? 
the Holy Ghost. Amen. In other words, your mind doesn't tell your spirit what to do. Your spirit tells your mind what to do. Amen? I have scripture. If you disagree, you can take it up with the scripture. So here's what I want to do. I want to read you how we're supposed to have church in 2021. It's, it, I promise you it's about to get good. Because I think that a lot of people, I, you know, we, we went to Austin this week with a couple, and I began to show them, you know, uh, the Lord had actually given us in the Bible a formula on how to do church. And they were like, I never knew that was in there. And so I thought, well, dang it. That's when I decided in that moment, that's what I need to preach. Because if he didn't know that was in there, there's a good possibility that a lot of people don't know that it's in there either. Amen? How many of you didn't know that there was a specific formula for church in the Bible? Be honest. Hallelujah. Somebody's going to learn some stuff today. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would allow me to deliver this the way that you would have me to deliver it, Lord, let it be your words and not my words. Lord, let not my mind control what my words say, but let my spirit control what my words say. And let every ear be open and eye be open and heart be receptive to what you said in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So in 1 Corinthians 14, chapter 26, uh, this, is, this is what the prescription of church is. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26, go there with me. A call to orderly worship. We're going to be all over 1 Corinthians 14. It's become one of my favorite passages. A call to orderly worship. Well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, okay, what are we doing right now? We're meeting together. So Paul says, when you meet together, a.k.a. when believers gather together, this is what you should do, right? Number one. This is going to really, really be revelational right here. One should sing. Okay? That's what Carissa and John do. They sing. They worship. The Amplified Translation says one will bring a psalm, which is where you sing scripture over instruments. Another will teach. That's what I'm doing right now. Another will tell some special revelation that God has given. That's prophecy. One will speak in tongues, and another will interpret what is said. But everything that is done must strengthen all of you. Amen. So let's break that down very simply. Number one, write this down. Worship. One will sing. Number two, one will tell of some special revelation that God has given. Can we stop there and talk about prophecy for a moment? Antonio, did you, put, did you put the Greek for what prophecy is? No, you didn't? Well, praise God. The Greek, the Greek in prophecy, pretty much what prophecy means is it means God is, is supernaturally speaking to the congregation through someone else. So prophecy is supernatural communication from God to us, right? And then another will speak in tongues. Tongues is our ability to divinely and supernaturally communicate with God, right? Prophecy and tongues are that one works. This is what 1 Corinthians 14, 4 says. Pro, this is what tongues is. My dear brothers, for when you speak in tongues, it is, it is to strengthen a person personally. But one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. So a person who speaks in tongues strengthens who? themselves, right? 
Let's put the Greek on what tongues, what, uh, what that word edify means. Another translation says, one who speaks in tongues edifies himself. Amen? And I think it's important that you understand what happens when you're praying in tongues because I don't really believe most believers do know what they're doing when they're praying in tongues. They just do it randomly. What you don't realize is that tongues is actually a weapon that you can use to build yourself up, to strengthen yourself. Can you go ahead and put that up there, please, Antonio? Pretty pleased with sugar on top. All right. Edify, that word. When one speaks in tongues, they edify themselves. Say, when I speak in tongues, I edify myself. Let's look at what that means. The Greek word for edify is oikodomi. And if I'm slaughtering that, sue me. Oike, oikodomi. Now let's go to what, look what that means. So oikodomi is a compound word. It's two words for those of you that go to Huntington. A compound word is where two words make one word. So a compound word, it's a compound Greek word. Dome means house. All right? Write that down. I'm teaching from the Greek today. I guess I got the Holy Spirit finally. I've always dreamed of preaching from the Greek. Well, here we are. Dome is the, it means home, but oiko means to build up. So one who speaks in tongues, let's put this together. One who speaks in tongues builds up their house. Another word says, one who speaks in tongues, another Greek word that's closely, uh, that's closely associated with oikodome means to charge up. So what happens when you're speaking in tongues, catch this. What happens when you're speaking in tongues is it's like your spirit is a battery. And when you begin to speak in tongues, jumper cables fall from heaven and connect to your spirit and begin to charge you up and begin to build you up. You want to know why most pastors can't preach with power? Because they received the Holy Ghost one time and haven't charged their batteries since. Amen? Hallelujah. Lord, give me the anointing to teach this. Hallelujah. One will speak in tongues. And you know what? A lot of people say this. Let me go ahead and squash this. I'll go there, Lord. Speaking in tongues is for every believer. Well, I'll go ahead and preach it anyway. Since you already believe it. Turn to Mark chapter 16, verse, uh, verse 17. Say, speaking in tongues is for every believer. Do you want to know why it's for every believer? I just showed you what tongues means in the Greek. So when you speak in tongues, you edify yourself. Or when you speak in tongues, you're building up your spirit man. And the reason that speaking in tongues is for every believer and not some is because it's God's will that every man's spirit be strengthened. Amen? Hallelujah. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And these signs will follow that believe, those that believe. Let's look at it. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. This daggum Bible is so small. It says, go into the world and preach the good news to everyone. Mark, verse 16. And anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. So verse 17. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. Does it just say that these miraculous signs will follow pastors? No. Does it say these miraculous signs will follow those who pray enough? No. It said these signs and wonders will follow those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. Did you know that as a believer in Jesus Christ, not only can you cast out demons, but you're supposed to. It is a believer's responsibility to cast out demons. And they will speak in new tongues. 
Amen. They will be able to handle snakes in safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. So, so verse 17, let's go back to that. They cast out demons in my name, and they'll speak in new tongues. These signs and wonders will follow those who believe. Do you believe? Do, do I believe? Then, then guess what? Speaking in tongues belongs to you. It's a supernatural gift awarded to us from Jesus Christ to supernaturally communicate with God. The Bible says that when we speak in tongues, we speak not to man, but we speak divine mysteries unto God. So there's a lot of, there's, for you reformists that are watching, you, you cessationalists, John MacArthur, you dirty dog you. Teach that speaking in tongues is only when you speak another foreign language and someone can interpret what you can say. That is, that is a form of speaking in tongues. That's what we see in Acts chapter 2, right? That's the type of tongues we see in Acts chapter 2. But how can you explain away that, that tongues is a personal prayer language in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 4 when it says that any man who speaks in a tongue doesn't edify the church but edifies himself? How could it edif not edify the church if it's for the whole church? Come on now. I feel like I'm doing good up here. Y'all better, y'all don't shout me down or anything. Look, look all in verse Corinthians 14. Did you know that there's not only just two types of speaking in tongues, but there's three? There's the supernatural ability to speak in another person's language. That's what we see in Acts chapter 2. There's also the gift of speaking in tongues where one will stand up when, there's, when, when it's order and when it's time, and they'll give a message in tongue, and another person will interpret it. That's two types of tongues. And then what we have in 1 Corinthians 14.4 is the tongues that absolutely every believer without a shadow of a doubt has access to. The personal prayer language of speaking in tongues. What is the purpose of speaking in tongues as a personal prayer language? It's to build up your spirit man. Amen? When I was a young, when, when Kenneth e. Hagins was a young boy, or Kenneth Copeland was a young boy, he used to go tell his nanny, nanny, I've got a headache, or nanny, something bad's happening. You know what she'd tell him? Hit it with tongues. And Kenneth Copeland, for the longest time, she knew, like, Nani's a religious lady. She knows what she's talking about. So he said he would speak in tongues and it would go away. Why? Because he was weak. And when you speak in tongues, you build yourself up. You strengthen yourself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So think about this. This isn't in my notes. But when you have a church that disallows tongues from being spoken in the church, what do you have? A weak church. And I don't even say that to be rude. It's just a fact that just the same way as you go to a physical gym to work your muscles out, tongues are your spiritual gym to build your spirit up. Amen? You need to speak in tongues. What is, to what is the prayer language of tongues used for? So I've given, told you what it is, what it's used for. Now I'm going to tell you when to use it. Anytime that you feel weak, speak in tongues. Anytime you feel weak, don't go get a monster or a five-hour energy. Speak in tongues. Speaking in tongues is what edifies oneself. Amen? It builds you up. Does that make sense? Everybody got it? Y'all are, are, uh, are being a little bit too quiet. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. So what's prophecy? The or, uh, the, how to have church in 2021. One will sing. I don't think we have to teach that one, do we? Okay, one will sing, and then one will tell of some special revelation that God has given. That's prophecy. 
And what did I tell you prophecy was? Or what does the Bible tell us prophecy is? That it's, in simpler terms, it's when someone is speaking for God. In the Greek, the direct meaning of prophecy is connecting to the mind of God and God's thoughts flowing out of your mouth. That's what prophecy is. And what it's meant for is to build up the whole church, right? While tongues, the prayer language is only meant to build you up, prophecy is meant to build the whole church up. Why? Because why? What, what, what are the uses of prophecy? Well, prophecy can be foretelling events that haven't happened yet, right? Prophecy can, like I said earlier, it is a, 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 a direct connection from the mind of God to your mouth. So when someone stands up and speaks God's thoughts, it gives you vision. It tells you where you need to go as a church. So it edifies the whole church body. Amen? Amen. And then another will speak in tongues and one will interpret what, the, uh, what is said in tongues. This is just a fancier term for saying prophecy. When someone stands up and speaks in tongues, they have no clue what they're saying. And then another person or that same person is supposed to interpret those tongues. Now, they're not doing this from their own mind. They're not doing this from their ability or their knowledge of Scripture. God has given them a direct word, a direct translation of what that person has said in the Spirit, in English, so that the whole church can understand. So why do we need tongues? We need tongues to build ourselves up, to be strong. Why do we need prophecy? God knows what's going on better than we know what's going on. And God will tell you where you need to go and what you need to do. So when someone stands up and gives a word of prophecy, it helps us have vision. It helps us know where we're supposed to go. Another form of prophecy, and every believer can do this, is encouraging people with God's word. In any form of prophecy, that, that prophecy is literally God's word being spoken. That's literally what it is. So if somebody stands up and they give a word of prophecy and it contradicts what the word says, that is not a prophecy from the Lord. And Paul says that the way that a pastor is supposed to handle that, if you speak a false prophecy, he's, the pastor is going to let you finish talking and then he's going to tell you sit down and don't ever do that again because you are a false prophet. Amen? That was heavy. Y'all didn't like that one, did you? One will speak in tongues. One will sing. One will tell us some special revelation that God has given. And another will, say, uh, will interpret what is said in tongues. But everything that is done must strengthen all of you. Say all of you. Even when somebody speaks in tongues. I think about this. And don't build doctrine off this, but this is what I think about when I think about speaking in tongues and the role that it plays. Speaking in tongues is this is the lead it's if this whole thing was a car it was a train speaking in tongues is the lead car it's what starts everything if you don't have strength to stand up and give a prophecy you won't give it amen and then once someone speaks in tongues then someone gives a a, a word of knowledge and then some or I'm sorry will interpret what's being said in tongues and then someone will give a word of prophecy so how to have church in 2021 very simply put seeing Special revelation, speak in tongues, prophesy. Easy. This is just crazy to think about that most churches don't look this way. Because I think about our church, and before I even came across this scripture, our church has always looked like this. Pastor John is always encouraged. Does anybody have a word of prophecy? Does anybody have a, you know, does anybody have a tongue? Does anybody feel the need in their spirit to stand up and say something? We have always encouraged that. And what happens when you don't have any of these components, because they're not just given, the reason that Paul gives these 
uh, the, this clear definition of how to have church is number one is so that believers that were, that were coming to Corinth would be able to tell which church was the true church of God, right? And then the second reason was these things aren't just done so that we can sit in here and just have fun and have this spiritual gift exchange like David King says. These things are meant to build up the body of Christ and to make the body of Christ stronger. Amen. Is any, does anybody in here learn anything new tonight? Hopefully so. Hopefully so. You know, when I, when I ask the Lord, Lord, I've never taught on speaking in tongues. I've never taught on prophecy. I've never taught on anything in 1 Corinthians 14. I said, Lord, what I need you to do is I need you to back what I'm saying up with, with everything that I just taught you. So here's what I have faith for. I have faith, now that you know what church is supposed to look like, don't force something out of your spirit, but what I want us to do is I want us to go ahead, close our eyes, and begin to pray and ask God for the ability to do these things. Because the church of the Lord Jesus Christ needs these things to be in full swing for the church to be everything God's called it to be. So here's what I want you to do. I want, you to, I want everybody actually to stand up really quickly. And I want to pray. And then I want you to pray. And then I think we have a couple of other things. But before we do those things, I just preach to you something that if you get it in your spirit and you realize that the, 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 the moving parts of a church service prescribed by Paul in 1 Corinthians 14.4, that is you. You make those things happen. It's Christ through you. So if you don't do your part and you don't step out in faith and say, God, give me a tongue. God, give me a prophecy. God, give me, God, give me a, a, a divine revelation from your word. And no one stands up and does these things. The church can't be edified. The church can't be built up. Pastor John and I can't do all the work. Pastor John and James and I can't do all the work. You guys are a part of this body. And no part of the body can look to the other parts and say, we don't need you. Amen? It doesn't matter if you're a pinky toe or you're the hand. You're just as important as anybody else is. So here's what I'm going to do. I want you to just begin to lift your hands, and I'm going to pray. And I want you to pray. Don't listen to what I'm praying. I'm going to pray over you. And I want you to begin to ask the Lord, Lord, what is my role in edifying the body today? Give me a tongue. Lord, I have faith that you'll give me a prophecy. Lord, I have faith that you'll give me a divine revelation. Lord, I have faith that you'll use me to edify your body today. Lord, I'm done with just sitting in the pews and being a movie theater Christian. I, it's time for me to get in the game and do my part. Here I am, Lord. Use me. If no one else will step up, I'll step up. If no one else will prophesy, Lord, use me. If you're speaking to someone and they're giving you any trouble, go ahead and take that away and give it to me. I'll do it. Hallelujah, Jesus. Just begin to speak in the Spirit. Just begin to pray in the Spirit. And if you feel the Lord giving you something, don't force it. Because everything that's given, a prophecy that's given, a tongue that's given, we're going to judge it by the Scripture. So don't give some word that's coming from your emotions. Make sure it's the Spirit. But if you feel something bubbling up in your spirit and it's the Holy Ghost, release it. Hallelujah, Jesus.
Come on, continue to press in. This can either be really awkward or really edifying. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Y'all just praise the Lord for that word. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Yeah. If that's you, just lift your hand. Speak it out in faith. Hallelujah. Is it you? Okay, I knew it was you. Come on up. I felt the Lord say it's one of the kids because here's the thing, not, I mean, <laughs> the older generation knows what we're talking about. A lot of people that have grown up and what God has done and, y you know, they, they were experienced, they were raised in these things, these, they've seen these things, but that's what we need to get back to. So I just felt the Lord tell me. One of the kids. Come on up. So last night I was reading, and it was in Jeremiah 1. And it's Jeremiah's call in first vision. And it says that the Lord gave him this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. And then Jeremiah said, O sovereign Lord, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. And the Lord replied, don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. 
and don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. And then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, look, I have put my words in your mouth. Today I appoint you to stand up against the nations and kingdoms. Some of you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow. Others you must build up and plant. And these past few weeks, Pastor John's been speaking a word over the youth. And that is literal, straight-up confirmation that us as youth don't need to use the excuse that I'm too young or this younger generation. He has appointed us to stand up, to build up, to tear down, to overthrow anything that has tried to come against us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. You know, I hear the Lord saying, there's many people in here that you're at a crossroads moment where the Lord says, who are you going to be? Are you going to be the person that's just the funny man, the funny woman, the easy to get along with? Are you going to be, not that you can't be that, but are you going to be that? Or are you going to be a man or woman of God? Are you going to be the person everyone likes? Or are you going to be a prophet of the Lord? You know, I'll tell you, one of the keys to walking in the spirit, and I'm so glad that you brought that teaching tonight, but one of the keys to really walking in the spirit is doing it all the time. You know, it's so hard to come into a setting like this and then just flip a switch on. Because we're, we're showing you in the early church, they came and one would sing, one would teach, one would give a prophetic word deliver the mysteries of God, a tongue, an interpretation. Can I tell you how hard it is to do that if you haven't been doing that in the secret place at home? That's what I mean by the crossroad decision. Is that for many it's just a switch and you're like, how, how, come, it's, how come I don't ever hear anything? Because you're waiting till you're here to hear something. Because really what, what, what happens when this works is when you're in, you're pressing in, you're pressing in, you're pressing in, and, and you're you're speaking the word of the Lord. You're hearing from heaven. You're operating in these things and in, in, in your life every day. And then we come in here and we operate out of the overflow of what's been happening in your spirit, in yours, in yours, and mine. And then you begin to see God literally build a puzzle. Hey, I showed you this Monday. Well, hallelujah, the same time that I showed you this Monday, I was speaking to sister so-and-so over here, and then we put it together, and you see this amazing thing that God brings together. You know, and so I just feel that there's many, you're at a crossroad. You know, there's many that when God, God is raising up prophets in the earth right now. 
And I want to tell you something. You cannot be a prophet of the Lord and be a normal person. What the world would call normal. Not saying you have to be a weirdo. But here's my thought. You know, we talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 how we can know by the Spirit the mysteries of God. I want to see what he, what he said specifically really quick. I want to see this. It says, go ahead and take a seat. Yeah, it's in verse 10 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It says, but it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. That's 1 Corinthians 2 verse 10. So it talks about how Paul talked about how he ministered very plainly. You know, he did it. He didn't come before people with clever speeches and, and everything just so perfectly timed and thought out. And, you know, that's not the way Paul ministered. He didn't go and write out a sermon and then practice it in the mirror 10 times and get it at exactly 25 minutes because if you do 26, people are, you know, they'll lose it, uh, their attention. He said that I ministered very plainly, very simply, but I relied on the power of the Holy Ghost so that you'd put your faith and God's power, not in me. But then he goes on to talk about how we have the Spirit of God, and it's by the Spirit of God we can receive revelation. I just think, think about that. It was to us that God revealed these things by His Spirit. By His Spirit. If you're not in tune to the Holy Ghost, you'll never receive anything from God. And that's really, I, I understand what you're saying, Brother Tanner, because what we've done is we've just watered everything down for people that, that aren't interested. You know, the Lord spoke something to me in the last week or so. He told me, he said, it's my job to build the church. It's your job to make disciples. Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build my church. You go forth and make disciples of all nations. You know, and the, my point is, this, we've completely, we've just thrown out the disciple thing and we make our focus on trying to build the church. Which is just, we get in the flesh and try to make these you know, think about this. The Bible teaches that promotion comes from the Lord. But what do we do? We get in a word that God gave us, and we try to make it come to pass in the flesh, and we birth an Ishmael like Abraham did, instead of letting God bring it to pass. You know, God says plant a church. Okay, I'm going to plant a church. Now what am I going to do? Well, now it's my job to build this church, so what I'm going to do, and we started realizing this, Especially kind of in the season, guys, there's a remnant right now. There's a remnant. There's a lot of people that are not interested in God. And I believe that's going to flip and I believe that's going to change. But, but what we've done is try to water things down and appeal to people's minds. 
But you can't receive revelation from God in your mind. You, you can only receive it by the Spirit. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He said, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak the words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them. They can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. What does that mean? In order to receive from the Lord, you have to have the Spirit of God. You know how you get the, the, the Spirit of God? It's very simple. You ask God for it. If you fathers know how to good, give good gifts, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If you're hungry, if you're thirsty, if you ask the Lord, if you repent, if you come with a humble heart before the Lord, he'll give you the Holy Ghost. He'll peel the curtain back. He'll reveal things. That's what the word revelation literally means is to make naked, to expose, to reveal. So here's my whole point. Is we've been more concerned with trying to, you know, that's, that's I don't know if, I, if this will even tie together. Because I'm going somewhere with this, I promise. I'm going to tie it back together, Okay. But the Lord tells us to do something, and we get so built on, we need to have 200 people here. We need to have 400 people here. But we know that if we do the things of the Spirit, the majority of them aren't going to like that. So we completely throw that out. But Jesus said, I'll build my church. You make disciples. Be concerned with... (laughs) Get people filled with the Holy Ghost. That means preach to people's spirits, not to their minds. And if people don't want to press into the spirit, let me tell you, don't cry and boo-hoo because they don't like what you have to say. It's not your fault. They can't receive it if they're not spiritual. You know, what you preach, Brother Tanner, it's a hard message, and it's offensive But it is what God is saying right now. Because I want to tell you, God, God's not playing games. God really is decreeing judgment against false shepherds, against things that he's given to people, and they've totally just disregarded. We gave that prophetic word, if you weren't here Sunday night, out of 1 Samuel chapter 2. The sons of Eli. If you're like, John, I don't have no idea what you're saying. I just, just receive it in your spirit, okay? <laughs> Hallelujah. But what I mean is so many people are at a crossroads where you can't be a normal person. It says that by the spirit, the spirit will search out everything and show us God's deep secrets. Can I tell you? That for that curtain to be peeled back and you be a person that has a glimpse at the deep secrets that are inside of God, you can't be normal. And I think that a lot of people are at that crossroads. You're like, you can't be the person that's just walking through Walmart 
thinking about stupid, meaningless things all the time. When you have to be one or the other. Am I just going to be a normal person or am I going to be a person that presses into the things of the Spirit? And when you press into the things of the Spirit, that's where your mind is. That's, where, that's, where, that's what you're meditating on. That's what you're thinking on. You sit down and people are like, man, are you just being quiet? No, I'm not being quiet. I'm, th- I'm thinking of the things of this. I, I'm in this. I'm just, my spirit's with the Lord right now. Fellowshipping with God in the spirit. And what happens is when you become that person, the Lord will begin to give you revelation about things. The Lord will begin to give you things that you prophesy. You know, really, if you're not prophesying at home, you'll never, you should never prophesy here. If you, if you only want to prophesy when you're in front of people, I would check the motive behind that. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? You know, so the problem is, is that most Christians, they're not doing this every day. They're not pressing into the spirit. They're not pressing into the word of God. They're not overflowing. And then when we come together, it's a hallelujah, Holy Ghost service. Really what, what the problem is, is that for most of the church, it's a pastor trying to get up here and trying to get his people interested in God. That's a problem. The church isn't supposed to be full of people that aren't interested in God or the things of God. That's why we, most, most places we can't ever get anywhere because people aren't interested in going. I've told you guys how, how important it is. I'll give you this example one more time, but I saw it a couple of Sundays ago. We were in here releasing the word of the Lord, and at the end, we were just pressing into prayer, pressing into, you know, the things of the Spirit. And I want to just say this. It shouldn't bother you to pray. It shouldn't bother you to, to, for prophecy to be given. It shouldn't bother you for tongues to be given. If it does, you have a problem. If, you, if it does, let me say this. In 1 Corinthians 2, Paul says, you have not received the spirit of this world, but the spirit of God. What does that tell you? There's actually a devil spirit known as the spirit of the world. If that offends you, you have the the spirit of the world. You don't have the spirit of God. You know, we were pressing in and we were going, and I just knew in my spirit there there was a deeper place that God said, I'll allow you guys to go. The Bible says that now we have the Holy Ghost, the veil's been removed, and we can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. So we can see the glory of God. There's a place God was wanting to take us, he said, where you will experience as a human being a high place of the glory of God. Just like Jesus, think about Jesus on the Mount uh, of Transfiguration. You know what God allowed? Who was with him? Peter, who else? Was it John? James and John, the Peter, James, and John. God allowed the veil to be moved and for him to see in the spirit, and he saw Jesus in the glory. He saw the glory of God. They saw the glory of God on the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, God said that there was, 
there was so much more that he was going to do, a place he was going to take us to. I began to get up here, and, and let me just tell you this, guys. People think that ministry is you, us coming together, and it's a circus show where the preacher better stand up and make something happen. Let me tell you, if the people don't want to go, it ain't going to happen. I don't, I don't matter what the person standing right here wants to do. If the people don't want to go to that place, the room's not going to the place, period. That's why we can't be weak Christians. Why do you think in the upper room they were in one heart, in one accord, in one mind, in unity? They didn't have that. They didn't have a room full of people that weren't interested in the spirit of, of God and the things of God. They had a, a room that was set on going to that place and receiving the gift the Father had promised. You know, and so the Lord was just like, I'm sitting up here, and it's just like hitting a wall. We're praying in the Holy Ghost. We're, pr we're pressing into the presence, and it's like hitting a wall. And the Lord finally just said, he said, there's people in the room that will never go to the place that you're trying to go. Not right now, they won't. You know why? Because they don't want to. They're really happy not going. They're really happy where they're at. They're fine. It, guys, can I tell you that you will never experience the Holy Ghost if he's not honored. Those who hunger and thirst, those who search in the book of Proverbs, search for me like silver and gold. <laughs> I wish we would get as interested in the things of God as we are in making money. A lot of people spend a whole lot of time thinking, racking their brain, researching how to make a dollar. Search for me like what I, the wisdom that I give is more pure than the choice of silver and gold. Those who hunger and thirst for me shall be filled. You know, and so basically, if you were here, you, you saw a couple weeks ago, I just shut it off. We were like, oh, man, we're pressing and I just stopped. All right, well, God bless you. Have a great day. Everybody was like, what? Oh, okay. Because it's really not a show to me. You know, it's like I either want the glory of God or I don't want anything. Uh I've been, I've had powerful encounters with the Lord alone. But guys, it's, there's a thing called synergy. There's even a place that, you know, Jesus said that's where two or more gather together. There shall also be. What does the scripture say? One can put a thousand to flight, but two can put ten thousand. There's something to get, that, that there's a higher place we can enter in when we join together than we could ever experience even by ourselves and so I just shut it off okay bye you know see you later everybody kind of left and then there's always a few that linger that hang around and I didn't talk to anybody I didn't anything I just stood here because I knew the Lord told me this is what you're going to do you're going to shut it down those that want to leave or have to leave or whatever they'll go and then those that are still here I'm going to I'm going to go to that place you're trying to go to Jesus did the same thing. He taught, and the people that weren't really interested, you know, they may have been there for dis, disgenuous reason. And I'm not saying that, like, somebody has a bad heart or something. I will say this. Sometimes people are just too distracted. You know, so full. Again, it's so full of the spirit of the world. They don't have time for the things of God. If you really think about it, this is, this is the most, this should be the thing 
that governs our life. Hallelujah. And I've had to do it. We've all had to do it. If you ever get to a point where you're like, I don't have time for those things, let me tell you, get with the Lord, repent, and figure out how to remove, readjust your time because you, you, you're too busy, full of the wrong things. That's why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of heaven above all things, the kingdom of God above all things. I'm sorry. Those are two different things, and everything else will be added unto you. And so... Anyways, Jesus would teach like that. He would preach, he would teach, certain people would leave, and then after they left, he would then elaborate more on his teaching. And the things that the people let, the people that were there originally were sitting there thinking, what the heck is, is he talking about? He would actually give the interpretation. He would speak the mysteries of God and then give it plainly for you to understand the remnant that remained that would stay. And so the Lord just told me that's what I'm going to do today. And so we ended up going into round number two. And I'm telling you, we ended up lining everybody up. It was really great what the Lord did. I'm not going to get into all the details, but I can tell you, like, the glory of the Lord, it just, it just flowed so easy. It was like the place that we, we couldn't hit, we just went right in. I mean, even delivering the word of God, the anointing was so strong. I mean, I, I just had to like, it brought me to tears several times. It was just, I felt the glory of God so strong. And I just feel the Lord saying, there's many at a crossroads. I felt the Lord ask me this, taking me to a deeper place. He says, who are you going to be? Are you going to be a normal person? Or are you going to be a prophet of God? Because you can't be both. Who are you going to be? Decide today, says the Lord. Decide today who you're going to be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. want to go ahead and we have another word that was given today. My mom, y'all know Miss Shavonica, she called me and she said, I have a prophetic word. And I called her and said, Let's hear it. She gave it to me, and I just felt, you know, I was thinking at first, well, we have our New Year's Eve service coming up Friday, and it's going to be a really prophetic service. We're going to give prophetic things the Lord's given for 2022. Uh, maybe we'll wait till there, but I just felt such a strong burden that it needs to be given. It'll probably be given several times. Go ahead and come on up. Where's that other mic at? Okay. Okay. Okay, so um, it's echoing. The Lord was telling me today that in 2022, the devil is going to be panicking because his time is coming to an end. So he's going to try his best to strong arm people into doing things that better into doing things that they shouldn't have to do just to keep a job, in order to get a job, um, in order to, to, to do things that they need to do for their family. He's going to make people feel like they have no other option but to give in. He's going to be backing people up in the corner, bullying them. He, um, the Lord said he's going to use fear to control people like we've never seen before. He will use the government and all the mandates as a weapon. But the good news is, but God said in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. 
In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path straight. We have to trust in the Lord and know that in John 14, 6, he says he is the way, the truth, and the life. We have to be ready to lean on him only, not money, not a job, or anything else. Matthew 6, says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The Lord said, stand firm for what the Lord stands for, and don't worry about people-pleasing. The Lord said that this will be the year of compromise. People that never thought they would compromise the Lord's word before will begin to compromise his word out of fear. The Lord told me, adhere to my word or you're compromising it. There's no in-between. You are either, you're either um, adhering to it or you're compromising it. The Lord said, get out of debt. Don't get into any new debt. Pay off everything you have so he can be your source and not your job or your money. He said, um, wherever you have cast your treasures, there your heart will be. Make sure that your treasures are in heaven and your eyes are on the Lord. The Lord says that he's going to pluck possessions, money, businesses, etc., from non-believers and put them into the hands of believers in 2022. He said, go into 2022 with an expectant heart. Expect big things, but, he will, but be willing to follow God no matter what the cost. Do not compromise his word or what he stands for. Compromise is anything that goes against God's word. Don't compromise in your job. Don't compromise in the church. Don't compromise in your marriage. Don't compromise in your finances. Do not compromise. Hallelujah. Can I hold this? Hallelujah. You know, I love this because, again, she said 2022 is going to be a year of compromise. And I want to, I feel like there might have been a few prophets that hit the nail on the head but it seems like everybody kind of just makes a job out of that. They know we can just run around, you know, year after year, and this is the year of triple harvest, and this is the year of quadruple harvest, and this is the, and they always say stuff. And I'm not talking about there's not a harvest season, but you really, why, where were the prophets, some of them, and some of them hit it right on, where were the prophets in concerning the, the coronavirus? Hey, this is a year of extreme testing. You need to gird up. You need to get ready. You know, in the book of Acts, it says that these prophets spoke up in one of the services and told the people about a famine that was coming. You know what the church was able to do? Heed the word of the Lord, make preparations, and send provisions to the church in Jerusalem ahead of time. So I love that. that you know, it's not always... Hey, this is the year where you're going you're gonna to make a million dollars. And, you know, sometimes the Lord will give a warning. This is what's happening on the earth, and this is what you need to do to be prepared. Hallelujah. I want to just read this again and break a few thoughts down before we close tonight. The Lord is telling that in 2022, the devil is panicking because his time is coming to an end and he's going to try his best to strong arm people into doing things that they shouldn't that they shouldn't have to do just to keep a job or in order to get a job or to do the things that they need to do in order to to support their family He's going to make people feel like they have no other option but to give in. He's backing people up into a corner. He will use fear to control people like we've never seen before. What's the new virus? I don't even keep up with it. The omni what? Omni what? Omicron? 
Okay, Omicron. Guys, I mean, you're already seeing the, the word of the Lord. Things like, get this vaccine or you're not going to have a job. Get this vaccine, you're going to lose a job. Get this vaccine or you're not going to get hired to have a job. And then all of a sudden there's going to be this temptation like I need to, maybe I just need to do this. I have a family to think about. I have children to feed. I, you know, he's going to try to strong arm. The Lord's giving us this word in advance. You know, man, that's the reality. You could sit here and give a word black and white and somebody in three months still compromise. Totally not heed the word of the Lord at all whatsoever. He will use fear to control people like we've never seen before. I know a prophet that talked about, he said the Lord spoke to him and said concerning these viruses, they've, they've released different variants, and this stuff may get us kicked off YouTube. I don't, I don't know. I don't care anyways, but, you know, they, they may, they're going to release different variants, and they've done that. But they've still seen that there's so many people in this country that have refused to go along with it, to refuse the vaccine, refuse to compromise, refuse to comply. And he said the Lord showed him that, that that side, they're not willing that anybody should walk away from this. And so he said that they're going to release something that's a killing machine. It's going to kill hard and it's going to kill fast. Guys, can I tell you, sometimes that's what the word of the Lord sounds like. It's not to fear his people, it's to gird their people. Get faith. Begin to build your faith up. Walk in Psalms 91. Though a thousand fall at my side and ten thousand die around me, these evils won't touch me. God's not giving this to you like you better, be, you know, you may die. Who knows? He's telling us this so we can prepare and we can walk in victory in the midst of it. You're going to see that kind of stuff pushed like you already have. Oh, there's another variant. There's another outbreak. You should see Houston right now. The hospital beds are so packed. Now it's killing children. Before, the other one didn't really affect children, but now 12-year-olds are going to die of it. Now 10-year-olds are going to die. Now 6-year-olds are going to die. And what it's going to cause is people to go running to go get a free vaccine. When have you ever seen a free vaccine before? Well, we just really want to help people. Well, then why don't you make chemo free? If you th well, if you think that helps people, but, I mean, from their standards, then why don't you make insulin free? Why don't you make chemo free? Why don't you make anything else free? Why are you so hell-bent that everybody get this? What's in it? What's really in it?
Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me say this. Yeah, with 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 the booster, set your faith. Ask the Holy Ghost to help you build your faith up. Because that's the thing. If you you'll get sick, says who? That's what they try to tell people. That's the that's that's what we're. I know. Listen though, this is what they try to tell people. That's the same thing that they're trying to, if you do this, you don't do this, then you're going to get sick. And they're telling the, 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 the same things to people, you know. But literally, I'm telling you, change your confession to what the Word of God says. Change the, your confession to what the Word of God says. Because the Bible says, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, and that from the fruit of your mouth you shall be filled. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So let me finish this. Let me finish this because we'll use government and all of the mandates as a weapon. I've told you guys the reason I felt so strong about this is because the Lord told me that we're moving into that season. I mean, I've preached the Daniel 3 chapter movement. We've stood. There's been many that have stood before Nebuchadnezzar. And they think, well, now we're in the free, now we're in the clear. But the Lord already showed me, no, now you're going to be turned and you're going to walk towards the fiery furnace. And he already told me, people that you never thought are going to begin to jump ship as that fire gets hot. The closer you get to it, you're going to see people falling off left and right. And that just goes right in line with this, that this is the year. People are going to be tested. You're going to see people compromise. The Lord said that this will be the year of compromise. People that never thought they would compromise the Lord's word before will begin to compromise his words out of fear. And the Lord told me, adhere to my word or you are compromising it. Hallelujah. Adhere to my word or you are compromising it. Man, I mean, that kind of answers the question, too. People make the argument, it's not really black and white. It's not as simple as that. The Lord says, adhere to my word or you're compromising. The Lord says, get out of debt and don't get into any new debt. And pay off everything you have so he can be your source and not your job or money. Because that's how the devil was strong. People get so racked up in debt, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt, and then now they feel this pressure, well, you need to do this, or you're going to lose your job, and you're going to lose your security, and their whole life is built in the world system. And the devil's going to use those systems as a strong arm. Wherever you have cast your treasure, there your heart will be. And make sure that your treasures are in heaven and your eyes are on the Lord. 
Hallelujah. There's still so much more to that, but I'll probably have you revisit that as the Holy Ghost would lead us to do that. Continue to minister that word. Build it up inside of people. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we just thank you for your word. We give you praise for your word. We receive it in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You know, I don't know. I just feel like the Lord's not completely done. I just feel like he's not done. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, just speak to us prophetically. Speak to us by the Holy Ghost right now. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. I just hear the Lord asking me this right now. He says, can a man look to the ground and look to the sky at the same time? No, he cannot. And in the same way, you cannot look to the world and look to me at the same time, says the Lord. You cannot focus one eye on the ground and one eye in the sky. You'll either look to the ground or you'll look to the sky. And the Lord says you'll either look to the world or you'll look to me. Make the Lord, make the Lord your fortress. Make the Lord your stronghold. Build your life on the word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come out and be separate. Come out and be separate. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your glory. You have something? Come on up. The Lord says it's at a time of choice in the earth for his children. Will you continue to forfeit the spirit of God for the spirit of this world? If you must forsake your brothers and mothers and sisters and fathers, then do it. Do not compromise anymore. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Man, Lord, I, I just feel in my spirit there's so much God wants to say. There's so much he wants to say. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Yep. Hallelujah. Our new friend from Oklahoma. Do you have another word from the Lord? Hmm. Yes.
Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. And I'll say this. I'm going to add to that. There's only one way to prosper in this season that we're stepping into, and you've got to be on fire with the Holy Ghost. You've got to be full of the fire of God. I want to tell you, having Christian values will not be enough. Listen to me. Having Christian values will not be enough. Just simply thinking homosexuality is a sin is not going to be enough. You've got to be full of the fire of the Holy Ghost. Say the fire. The fire. Hallelujah. The fire of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Parashiti karasatarede. Orashiti arasatarede. Orashiti arasakanadede. Y'all, I'm telling you that we are at, we think that this is just working out. The Lord is calling his people right now together. That we're this close. We're this close to handing over a nation. We're this close to handing over a nation. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You've got to get the fire of the Holy Ghost in you. We've got to get back to the Word of God. Why is the Lord, why are we even still standing here tonight just still not leaving? Because God is so serious about this. God is so serious about getting something in your spirit, getting something in your heart, getting something in your mind, not just having this, this church service, but literally in, in confronting you with the reality that so much of what you've built your life on, it doesn't matter at all, and it won't matter in heaven. It's such a distraction. It's such a waste of time. And the Lord says, now is the time to press in. Now is the time to catch the fire. Now is the time to focus your eyes, to tune your ear. Now is the hour of faith, says the Lord. This is the hour of faith. Hallelujah. This is this generation's fight and this generation's test. And he says, will you possess the promises of God? Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, who shall he find on the earth that has faith? This is what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 24. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He said, you'll be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You'll be hated all over the world because you're my followers. Many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. Guys, I want to test some of the younger kids that are here. What does this tell you? That in the last days, this idea that you can play the fence, 
That's why the Lord's saying he's calling people to decide today because we're coming into a time where being a follower of Jesus and being full of the Holy Ghost and on fire will make you an outcast in society. Not maybe, it will make you an outcast in society. Do you guys understand Jesus was rejected by his generation? He told Jerusalem he prophesied, and it happened in the year 70 A.D. He said it about the year 30 to 33 A.D. He told them that there's going to be an army that comes and surrounds you and destroys you and kills you in your own city and turns this temple upside down. The Lord's going to destroy it completely because you have rejected the Son of God. You guys, we think that he was just like a Stephen Furtick that just had this huge popularity. And he did because he had signs, wonders, and miracles. But at the end of the day, he was rejected by his generation. And he said that if they rejected me and hated me, or is a servant greater than their master, they'll certainly hate you. So this is what I'm saying. You can't be afraid. You can't be afraid. You must decide today where you're going to stand and who you're going to be, says the Lord. Because if you don't, you will get left behind. And it's not too late. But if you don't decide today, you will get left behind. And the Lord says that when everything begins to shake, if you're not built on the foundation of the Word of God, everything in your life will come crumbling down. But if you'll build your life on the Word, according to Matthew 7, the wind can blow, the earth can shake. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken, but you shall remain standing firm on a solid foundation. You will be killed. You'll hate it all over the world. Many will turn away from me. Wow. Is that really an accurate word, Pastor John? This is the year of compromise that you'll see many compromising that never would, never would compromise before. Many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. Jesus said one of the signs of the end times is many would turn away from him. False prophets will appear and deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. Look at this. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Do you guys think that we're going to compromise on this earth and then stand before heaven and stand before Jesus and just be accepted into the kingdom of heaven. Now, he said the one that endures. So what about the one that doesn't endure? What happens? Because the one who endures to the end will be saved. Jesus said, do you know that Jesus said cowards will not inherit the kingdom? I think it was Jesus, the book of Revelation. Cowards will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And he says, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all the nations will hear it and then the end will come. Hallelujah. So what does the Bible tell us? That yes, there will be this, these, these pressures that are happening, but in the same time will be the greatest outpouring of the Holy Ghost the earth has ever seen. Hallelujah. Are we, do you want him? Do you want the Holy Ghost? Let me ask you, do you want the glory of God? Do you want the glory of God? If you're unsure, go home, think about it, and come back when you're sure. And if you stay unsure, then just stay at home until you're ready to come back sure. 
You say, well, Pastor John, that's, that's mean. No, no, it's really not because Jesus looked at people and said, you're not fit for the kingdom. What did he mean by that? We literally looked at people and said, I love you. But the reality is, just like the rich young ruler, you're not, you're not willing to go. You're not at the end of you yet. And so even though I will for you to be a part of this, until you get there, you can't be. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we're not here to play church. We're not here to do anything other. We, we really need We really need this to get in the hearts of people. We really, really need this to get in the hearts of people. That's why we want revival. Lord, we don't want revival just to have a, a new building program and just to have seats and chairs. We really need revival in this nation because that's the only way. That's the only way that we're going to win back families. That's the only way is getting people and in, in, in the truth, the light, exposing the darkness. That the lies in, in their lives being confronted with the truth. Hallelujah. And if we can get enough people in the anointing and enough people to hear the word and enough people thinking right, we can take this nation back. We can create a future that God intends for our children. Hallelujah. It's not too late. It's not too late, but the Lord says now is the time. Now is the time. Why, is the, why did we preach this message? Why did God give this message to Pastor Tanner to preach? Because even if you go to another church, what God's trying to put in the, in the hearts of Christians right now is a distaste for the disingenuous, for a dis, just for a hatred for the false. The, 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 think about that. Think about what we could do if enough Christians got a revelation of what it should be and were to go into a place and instead of just playing games and you have the best coffee and the best donuts and the best, you know, McDonald's playground for the kids, you know, you literally say, God, God's not okay. God's not okay with the fact that you won't speak these things out and entire cities are going to go to hell. You won't say one thing against this demonic vaccine and mandates and things that are going on because you're too afraid to get political. The Lord's not pleased with that. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for your word tonight. We give you all glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Let me give you all a couple of reminders really fast. Uh, Friday night, we have our New Year's Eve service. It starts at 9 to 1230. Saturday, it's going to be packed. we got a lot of stuff going on. Saturday, we're going to be putting on. We'll have David King, Evangelist David King will be here with us. And then Brother Tanner, Evangelist Tanner is going to be here as well working with him, and they're also bringing another guy that's a powerful soul-winning machine. His name's Gerard. They're going to come put on a soul-winning workshop. We're going to build some teams up, go into the streets, uh, just win the loss, preach the gospel to people, and then Sunday morning we're, we're, we're going to start our revival services with Evangelist David King. So you want to be here for that? Hallelujah. Well, praise God. Well, if you guys have a tithe or offering to bring to the church, I'll just say this. You can drop it off on your way out or while you're talking to people. But other than that,
God bless you. I love you. Have a great night.